Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Afternoon, good evening, whenever you lovely people are choosing to listen to this. Welcome to 11 Pieces of Me, the show where guests come on and talk about some of their favourite players growing up, taking me and my, my co-host down memory lane of players that meant something to them growing up. doesn't always have to be about the best players, just players that have given them moments of joy or just players they've watched growing up. I'm your host, Ali, and joining me as my co-host this evening is the original... Ryan, how are we, pal? Hello, yeah, I'm not too bad. How are you? Very well. It's been a while. It has. I feel weird being like a little bit back in the hot seat, you know. Strange. How, how has lockdown treated you? Uh, yeah, it's all right. You know, I said to myself I'd do more podcasting. Uh, and, well, safe to say we found that the last time we recorded one properly was nine months ago. So that's how my lockdown's gone. Yeah, it's all good. Keeps you busy, though. That's the most important part. Yeah, exactly. Um, and joining us this evening, we have a man in the post regular from the Thursday show, uh, a Swindon Town and Roma fan, Scott Monroe. Scott, welcome on. Good evening, chaps. How are we? Very, very well. We will um, open the op- open the door here and, and admit Scott has done a, a pieces of me before on a on a previous network, but we pretend that network doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Just um, ignore any- it. <laughs> anything that happened over there doesn't count. So um, we're starting afresh. Um, and Scott's kindly accepted to come back on. So, thank you very much again, Scott. No, no worries. Happy to uh, happy to come along. Right, so let's just fire in it straight away. What formation have you chosen for it? Uh, it's a very attack-minded 4-3-3 with two number 10s in the midfield. Two number 10s in the midfield? Yeah. Oh, your defence best be looking strong. If that's what I um, I'm just going to say attacking full bucks. <laughs> So, so you, what you're talking about is maybe a two, two, <laughs> two, two, two one, eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two, two, six. The, yeah, it's Pep Guardiola when he's trying to overthink. So the Champions League pick. I'm in dream yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, so when he was at Bayern in the latter stages of the Champions League or Man City. Right then, let's say him. Let's take it away with the, the safe bet, because you, you need one of these. So who have you chosen in goal? Um, so in goal is a, a a goalkeeper, which is pretty much a Swindon Town legend. Uh, he was a goalkeeper when we were in the Premier League, um, when we conceded over exactly 100 goals. <laughs> and we, we finished, uh, we, finished, we got relegated to the Championship that season. Um, it's Fraser Digby. Um, he was at the club two spells uh, over 12 years, um, 500 appearances. And my f- 
my my first winning game was actually the last three games of that season. So I saw us actually concede the hundredth goal against uh, Leeds, and we lost five nil. And I got to see Digby playing goal probably for the next four years. Um, and he's I've been watching Swindon since '94 and up. That he's up there with probably the best keeper I've seen. The the others are still playing. Uh, one's in the Premier League at Sheffield United now. Uh, he was just come from Rangers, so Ali might know him. It was Wes Fodrenham. Um yeah. good goalkeeper, good at his feet. And but Fra- Fraser Digby was just fantastic for the club. Um, time after time, he would just pull off saves left, right, and centre. And you go on YouTube, you go down a rabbit hole. I think me and Ali have talked about this before. You can spend hours and hours on YouTube just looking at stuff online. And like probably about three, four months ago, I was just watching old Swindon videos on a on a Sunday when there, I think it was during the international break, and I just went down memory lane and was just watching some uh, some videos and just seeing the nostalgia and the saves that he was pulling off against very good Premier League teams and without him we would have conceded a shed load of more I mean 100 is quite a lot yeah you know just, just to put that out there into yeah. perspective but just having a quick look at his his history on on you know this is Wikipedia saying whether this is 100% true or not but it's a bit of a weird career because in theory it's suggesting he didn't play in his first effectively Two seasons, though he was at United, mm. Man United, then Oldham, Swindon, but didn't play. Did he go to you on loan and on then loan. join permanently? Or? Yeah, and join on permanently. Uh, I think he was Lou, one of Lou Macari's last sign-ins. If memory serves me right, if I, if I get that wrong, I apologise. I will look. There's a historical Swindon site, which is fantastic, which... Um, Rich Banyard uh, is a Swindon Town historian, an amazing website. So, he, yeah, he signed one of Lou Macari's last signings and then he hit the ground running after that. So, because looking through, so I mean, 420 appearances mm. um, for Swindon, uh, according to this, but halfway through it suggests that he went on loan to Man back, United. Back to Man United, yeah. Yeah. But did yeah, he play? Because I mean, this is suggesting he didn't. But what what happened in terms of? Because it looks like he played for six years at Swindon, and then went online, and then back to you guys for another six years, which is very consistent, I guess. Yeah, and then he had a massive falling out with uh, Steve McMahon, who was the player manager at the time at Swindon, and then he left to go to go to Crystal Palace. Yeah, he went to Manchester United. They had a goalkeeping crisis and it was signed as cover for uh, Peter Schmeichel but he never got onto the pitch I find it a bit amazing that he started his career at Man United and then that was the player they went back to yeah. in their crisis that's really strange yeah I didn't play for them last time so maybe I'll get a chance this time but in their peak you know when Man United are in their, oh, yeah. their pomp as well <laughs> when they're winning league titles in the early 90s so, Scott, you said you started watching in 84? Uh, 94. 94, sorry. How old yeah. are you? Uh, I'll be 34 in April. So, yeah, yes. just, obviously, when you were talking about, obviously, Digby, and according to, like, uh, Wikipedia, as Brian says, that's what we're going, obviously, 86 to 98, but, yeah, just, I forget when you're, when you're so young, 
Uh, I was trying, I just in my head couldn't work that out there. How you how you'd seen him to <laughs> young age? Uh, how did like, you do this? <laughs> I'm sure I'm older than you, and I, and I, I mean, I, as you say, I can't really remember. Um, as you mentioned, the, the Man United loan um, in '92, which is obviously the start of the really the Man United era, isn't it? That's the first yeah. title that year. Um, I, I can, I'm struggling to remember Swindon in the Premier League. I'm trying to think of you know the seasons. Um, obviously, I know the you know the the stats and that and. Mainly from really you talking and you and Chris, really, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a struggle. But again, the whole point of this podcast isn't about even the best players, regardless of how good the player is. It obviously meant something to you. 420 appearances for your for your club, especially when you support a club like Swindon, which is really easy to say for people like me and Ryan, who you know support huge clubs sort of thing. Um, so... So play, players like that will definitely mean a lot. And as you say, even seeing that 100th goal go in live, um, it's, it's not really a stat you want, but you know it's it's good to have seen it, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's a memory that it's a good you might piece of history, that. <laughs> 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 5-0 uh, against Leeds on the final day of the season, 93-94. Many times has Ross reminded you of that in the... In the uh, I don't think he has. Chris is, I think maybe once or twice, Chris has mentioned it quite a few times because we were talking about Fulham. I think Ryan may be on a couple of podcasts probably about two and a bit years ago when Fulham were conceding oh, a lot of goals. They, yeah, they were awful. They, they were really bad. I think they got, is it 85 goals conceded? And they were really close to Swindon's 100. But apart from that, not mentioned by them, them two. It's a good yeah, pick, though. I like that pick. Yeah, it's different. Again, it's a, it's a goalkeeper I've heard of. I'm going to have a nosy at YouTube clips just because YouTube's what I do when I need to learn something. Um, so I'm, I'm going to have a nose just out of curiosity. Um, but no, same as Ryan. I like the pick. Right. Is it on to right back? Yeah, let's go right back first. Keep it. Let's keep the tradition going. Okay, um, Brazilian attacking fullback who has won Champions League with AC Milan, Syria with both AS Roma and AC Milan won the World Cup. He, I think he was, I think he was captain in 02 when Ronaldo scored the brace in the final. Um, unbelievable wing back. It's Cafu. Just oh, I. When you, if you're watching Football Italia in the Channel 4 days, you can watch Roma and, and the latter part, AC Milan, when I think maybe Football Italia was probably going to Eurosport. He was just one of the players to watch for both clubs, just bombing down the right flank, either playing as a wing-back, maybe as a winger or as a full-back. It was just breathtaking to watch, and he was part of that amazing Brazil teams in 98 and 02. Yeah, look, Ryan, I'll let you go go off on Cafu first. Um, the most picked right back in it. <laughs> he's definitely a <laughs> name that's come up a lot, which is such a big, you know... It's, it's an easy pick, isn't it? It's an it? easy pick, because yeah. it is. W- one thing I will say is, is I, I do get a little bit worried here, Scott, because, you know, you've got a goalkeeper that, in theory, conceded 100 goals yeah, in the league, and suddenly Cafu's, you know, down the wing. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be really intrigued to see who you've got... <laughs> Angering. Are the two um, centre backs uh, the two stoppers? 
But I mean, Kaf, I mean, yeah, there's a reason why he's the most picked, uh, right back, uh, in the series. He's just something else. And, you know, trying to think of, I guess, how many players have, have been able to even attempt to emulate what he achieved. And I can't, not at the top of my head anyway, think of anyone immediate that, you know, he's probably near that level or, or has ever been close to that level. Do you think Dani Alves, maybe peak Dani Alves at Barcelona, or maybe Trent now? I definitely, I definitely wouldn't say Trent now. You know, I'm probably a bit biased, but that's, you know. <laughs> uh, no, I think you know the thing about people like Cafu and probably you know prime Dani Alves was was the consistency mm. across the you know years, and I guess however good a player is during a season, but you just look at Cafu's record. And what he achieved in the game, and you you, you know you you cannot understate that that level of ability and consistency across so many years, uh, and and winning what you know winning what he did. So yeah, I'd still I'd still think maybe Pete Daly others, but I mean that's the thing you you you're having to think about these players that are they close to emulating it but Cafu I think is still that, that that top name that I think people would struggle to find someone to I think mm. be close to that and that's why it's such it's why it's such a consistent pick with people uh, but yeah what what Ali what, what's your you know I've got to start by saying I'm disgusted in you both by comparing Danny Alves to Cafu <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> potentially Pete Danny Alves absolutely. was a very very good player absolutely absolutely not not Seamus Coleman is ahead of Danny Alves for me. Ooh, uh, okay, fair enough. Fair that enough. You need. I, honestly, I think Alves is very overrated. But Cafu, my biggest compliment that I can give him is he, he was so ahead of his time. It's ridiculous. Mm. We're talking, did his career not end? Yeah, 2006, his international career ended. His playing career ended in 2008. So if you think how really, not defensive football was back then, but it was nowhere near the attacking like force that teams had today, you know, you're, when you're talking peak Messi, peak Ronaldo, Lewandowski, you know, forwards like that who have had it. I wouldn't say easy because all these are, you know, world class elite players, but like the, the defenders aren't what they were from back then. And then in that era, you had Cafu and obviously his Brazilian opposite opposite side um, players like Carlos, who just who could defend extremely well, but they bombed up and down for 90 minutes, like non-stop. Um, and again, I will put it to bias, and I'm not comparing them. They're nowhere near at the level of Carlos and Gafu. But the closest we have seen to fullbacks like that genuinely is Trent and uh, Robertson for the last two seasons. Not so much this season. It's been um, without the centre-half. But they've only had that luxury due to an elite Virgil van Dijk. You know, Cafu and Carlos were doing it to the point of they had to make sure they got back and defended as well. Especially Carlos and that Real Madrid team, who've never really been renowned for great defensive play. <laughs> but, I mean, Cafu, I think six, five World Cups he's appeared in. Yeah, one, is it? As you say, Scott, one, three, is that right? Uh, so, one, 94, final in 98. One two, two and they got one two thousand six. Oh no, Italy won in 06. Italy won. So yeah, so two yeah. two wins, three finals. Mm. Um, just that is ridiculous. I mean, me and Dave mentioned on the last podcast, and 
I mean, even for yourself, Ryan, who's obviously just that bit younger than us, just the nineties Brazil team just gave people so much joy. Hmm. Um, and and I'm guessing like people older than us, you know, who've seen the the eighties and the seventies Brazil team will probably say the same about you know the players they watched. But for me, I don't think we'll ever find a Brazil team that's as enjoyable as the Ronaldo's, Rivaldo, Carlos, Bebeto. Um, it was just so much fun to watch. Um, Ronaldinho might go down as, for me, the greatest player of all time, just because of the, maybe not so much on numbers game, but just the fun they provided. And Cafe was a huge part of that. Um, that Milan team in 2005, obviously, that, that Liverpool faced. Uh, it's just disgusting. Like We had no right to beat them. That team was just unbelievable. What was it? Cafu, Nesta, Stam, Maldini, like Pirlo, Sadov, Kaka, Craspo, Shevchenko, Catuso, uh, Seedorf. Absolutely outrageous. <laughs> and and you think the eleven that Liverpool put out? Yeah, like it's just phenomenal. But like, I, I, there's not really much more we can add on on Cafu, Scott. So I'm going to go to your left back just because. Cafu might be the greatest right back of all time. Um, um, this player might be one of the greatest left backs of all time, but he also can play on the right side. Um, oh. I think we've, I, I may have put him in there before. Um, he's a bit of a, he is an Inter Milan legend, Argentinian legend. Um, one Russian <laughs> legend. Yeah. Uh, it was just part of that treble side in 2010. It's uh probably has the best hair in football because it just it never looked out of place when he was on the pitch. It was um it's Javier Zanetti. Zanetti, yeah. Yeah, just can either play as like the right right back, left back, centre mid. I've seen him playing as a, a defensive midfielder for Mourinho in probably in a couple of games, and he just you've got. Cafu on one side and you've got Javier Zanetti on the left side. Another player who will just run for you all day, every day, up and down the wing. Um, very versatile. Literally Mr. Inter Milan in his last few years. It just won league titles with uh, Roberto Mancini after Calciopoli. Won titles with Jose Mourinho when he had his two-year stint at Inter and then got to win the Champions League medal against Bayern Munich in the Bernabeu and that was a brilliant year for for Inter because they were they won the treble but they were they pipped Roma on the final day to win the league Roma were ahead of them and then lost to Sampdoria and then they beat Roma in the in the Coppa Italia final one day in Rome and um I think that happened in just a few days and and then a week later, they won the Champions League. Zanetti was so pivotal to that Mourinho side in the two years he was there. Just remember, he joined from Banfield in 1995. Roy Hodgson signed him. <laughs> and he retired in 2011. Roy Hodgson is the man. Crazy um, numbers. Absolutely cra- Question, because I, I don't, you know, these things. So... According to, to Google slash Wikipedia, nicknames, the captain, you know, you can sort of understand, the tractor. Is that yeah, a thing? I think it may be a Italian or an Argentinian thing. Argentinians do have 
weird nicknames like Javier Pastore is nicknamed the Shepherd, El Flaco. <laughs> um, there, there's was it Messi when he first started, or was it Angel Di Maria? It was like I think Angel Di Maria was nicknamed the Noodle because he was just so wiry and like I think there was a player who was nicknamed the Flea. But yeah. Yeah, the reason people don't watch Italian football anymore. Right? <laughs> mm. <laughs> hey, it's a good um, league now. Very good league. It, no, to be fair, it, it is. It's, it's a very almost underappreciated league as well. Mm. It's still got that defensive stigma and it's, it's far from it. Um, but Zanetti, without being disrespectful, would be the perfect third fullback, wouldn't he? Um, because he could play everywhere. He's just that. Mm. He's too good to be a sub, but he's that perfect, like, next choice. Um, because he can cover everywhere, mm. and on a lot of players, it's not a good thing because you tend never to settle in anywhere. Um, but obviously, Zanetti made a, a career at left back. My my first like real taking notice of him, as I, as I mentioned when you were talking, was genuinely was Pro Evo at Milan where my team oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, where Adriano and Zanetti was the he was just so solid. Um, but yeah, it was just Mr. I, 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 my biggest memory playing wise, probably the, the 2010 season. Didn't realise it was 2010. It only feels like five years ago. Um, that that semi was it the semi final against Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. Just the two games were just ridiculous. Like I, I was a huge fan of Mourinho, so whatever Mourinho did, I was kind of following, especially after he left that other lot. Um, and yeah, just. As I say, the, the most important thing I can say about him is, I mean, I wouldn't put him down as, as the best or even maybe top three, out, but he is just Mr. Consistent for me. You know, he's just that reliable. Um, I mean, Ryan, what about for you? Can you remember much of him? Or? Um, I think probably more on a on a video game level, actually, instead of <laughs> the Pro Evo side. That, to um, be honest, that is a good game, Pro Evo 6. Adriano, yeah. oh, 35 so yards out. Good. I think it's still the best one, really. But, you know, I think you, whenever you think of, of Zanetti, you always think of that consistent that consistent performer, whether it is, you know, in midfield or, or you know, especially on the on the wing-backs or full-back positions. Um, he's just he, one of those names that you just always... It's synonymous with that position. And when you get that, that's always a big thing. You'd like... You, if you were to ask someone top left backs, he would always be in, in, in the top of that list, you know, near the top of that list. So not too much in terms of watching, but definitely from sort of, yeah, playing things like probably though. Yeah, the, the name's just synonymous, isn't it, really, with a, with a fullback role. And, um, I always felt he was a one club man. Um, obviously not coming from Argentina because he would obviously start out there, but he just feels like he was Mr. Ant Milan. Mm. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, was it uh, 95 to 2011? So yeah, that's, that's, that's a that's long time. Man. That's yeah. a one club man there. Forget yeah. That is, there's not really much more you can, you could put in a one club man there. And then did he, did he then go on to become vice president or, or something to that He's, yeah, he, you always see him in the stands. Uh, is he still there now? Yeah, with the owners, the Sooning owners. Yeah, you oh, see him right. Yeah, I clearly misread what it said. He said he kept the role upon the change of the ownership, but I thought it said kept, uh, you know, 
I clearly misread it completely because I just, I thought it just said, you know, he left the job, uh, when the ownership changed, but, you know, I mean, the, you know, they've retired, retired the jersey and everything. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's, that shows you everything about him as a player. He's sticking around as, as vice president and to retire the shirt is the perfect sort of understanding of, of what he means to Inter Milan. Actually, I don't think it was 2011. I think it may have been 2014. Yeah, it says 2014. 14, yeah, sorry, not 20. I was thinking of Diego Melito, who retired then. Um, Actually, I remember, because I was in Italy, I was in Rome for his final, I think it was his final home game, and that was against uh, Lazio, and I was in the hotel bar, and they had Zanetti cam. (laughs) 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 Just picked on him all the time. And I just, I was like... One of the guys in the hotel spoke, spoke really good English, and we were just astonished that they just had this Zanetti camera on him. And obviously, he just got one of the best receptions after the final whistle. Just, just if you've been at the, the club that long and you've won trophies, it's just, it's just fantastic. I love that. I loved those things back in the day. I think I seem to remember you could do that on Sky. You used to be able to watch, and 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 they'd have one player that they'd have on position cam or whatever it was. Yeah, cam. Cam. yeah, position. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh man, Liverpool fans would have been flaming unbearable with that. <laughs> <laughs> I could. I'd have retired from watching football years before I just, <laughs> if I had known about this. Um, <laughs> So I'm feeling a bit more confident about the defensive ability of this team now that you've just added Zanetti in. So, you know, that's a good yeah. start. Yeah, maybe not as a marauding fullback as Cafu. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I was going to say, I don't feel he's as, you know, that attack mind. He's, he's definitely attacking, but not quite the same, like, the same elite as Cafu for the attacking side of things. I'd say, I'd say he was more of the, the more balanced one. Because mm. remember, Inter had Mike on. He <laughs> just lights him a roared forward. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was Pete Cafu and Pete Danny Alves at the time. Mike Hom was he was a good footballer, but yeah, he would just used to go wandering in games. And you got Zanetti, who just like I can do my defensive duties as well. So yeah, just leave it to me. I can cover. I kind of feel for Mike Hom because he's always going to be remembered for that Gareth Bale game more than anything else he's yeah. done. <laughs> Um, right, let's let's start with the, the first centre back, which is arguably the, the most important position in your team now. Uh, I've got two wholehearted players. Like one of them is a Swindon legend, one of them is a legend in Spain. I'll go with the one who's a legend in Spain because what he did for that club in the eras that he was at that club was just magnificent. He wasn't lacked with skill but he played with so much determination and so much willpower on the pitch that he won a shed load of trophies with the club Barcelona? yeah Barcelona you probably yeah Yeah. he's like one a player who can actually stand up to another centre back to tell him to stop fucking about and just (laughs) stop celebrating and it's Carlos Puyol it's just like he's not blessed with the best of talents but he will like defend for his life, and he did so many times at Barcelona and Spain. And his blueprint is on that Barcelona team under Rijkaard, under Pep, and it 
it was brilliant to watch when when La Liga was on Sky and Barcelona games were what every weekend, and then the cha- the big Champions League games on ITV and Sky, you would just see Puyol was just like in his peak in that Barcelona team under Guardiola. He was just something else, wasn't he? I think this is. Well, I think we talked about Puyol a lot. Um, during Emma's episode, I think that would have been right, yeah, Annie. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think he, he was—he just did his job in a way, mm. but in, in such a controlled manner. You know, he'd always be stepping in at the right time or stepping back at the right time. And there's clips that you always see of where you know someone more attacking minded has scored a goal and then they go doing some silly dance or something and Poyle just like runs over to them and like slaps them on the back of the head like we doing get on with it <laughs> get back to your position we've got a game to like you know for, you know win and protect and he just knew his understanding of the defensive game seemed like nothing else we've you know really seen in that sense where it was very much I'm coming on here to do a job and, and this is this is how I want to play and that's the way that it is you know never unwavering in that sense and that's why it's such a, he's such a big player in the history of that club yeah 100% like as you both mentioned not nowhere near the greatest defender in the world based on like natural ability he wasn't the tallest if I'm not mistaken um it's a player I'm actually not even having to check Wikipedia. His numbers don't really mean anything to me. I, I, was never a, I was never a Barcelona fan, so I didn't care about the trophies won. But as you say, Scott, like what he won for the club, what he did for the club. Um, Ryan mentioned it perfectly. The videos that you can watch of, you know, the no-nonsense, like get get back, stop antagonising. You know, fans throwing stuff on the pitch at players and players want to bitch and moan. And he's throwing it off the pitch and telling them, like, slap an head, look, move. Um, just Mr. Reliable, like, the, if you look up leader in a dictionary, like Puyol's name should be there. Um, just, just the utmost professional, I feel, is the best thing that can be described. And um, I can easily see why anybody would pick him in favourite players. Um, but I also, I would never be against him being put in a best eleven of all time. And that's not saying he was, but I just have that much respect for the man. And the, the player that I'd, I'd quite happily any any defender in the world um, missing out to him because what he brings to a football pitch that there, there is no defenders in today's game especially that I can think that really really like bring what he what he did mm. um, and it's really hard I mean I think as as you said Ryan that the most you know the most information we got on him was was from Emma who obviously watched him much more regularly and in person than us. And, and what what he meant to those fans, I think, really sum up more than more than what us three can really put into words as well. I just think you just look at, you know, the amount of appearances that he made and, you know, how important he was to so many key moments. And what, what's interesting is, you know, you, you often see a lot of players, either one club players or whatever, you know, Deciding to play on further than they, than they probably can. Um, and Poyol, you know, just, you know, having a quick scan of the Wikipedia thing was very much, you know, I've 
I've had a few operations. I'm, I don't think I can reach the level that is required by the club. And instead of thinking I'm going to go elsewhere, you know, a, a league that's potentially beneath him or whatever, you know, ended his career effectively at the end of that season. And that's, that's the type of play that he was in terms of, you know, logical enough to say like, he gave himself up for the club as well. Cause I, I'm sure he probably could have carried on playing and they probably would have carried on playing him, but it was almost his decision to move forward with that. So yeah, just what a player. Also what he did on the international stage with Spain, he was part of that revolution from 08 to 12 when they won Euros, World Cup, Euros. Yeah. And he scored, I think he may have scored in the semis in the Euro in, in 08. And like he got, I think he may have gotten another important goal against Germany in the World Cup in 2010. And it's just like, he, he, he like was a part of a Barcelona team and a, and a Spain team which like changed football in those four years. <laughs> just like to be like the cog on the wheel and probably one of the most important players in that, in those two teams is just phenomenal. Yeah, the, the heartbeat of both teams, wasn't he? Mm. Like, without him, they, they don't function the same. He's just, he's what makes everything else, like, just work. You know, he's that, as you say, that little cog. You might not be the massive part with, like, the talent or the superstardom type, you know, with the Torres, the Villa, the Iniesta's, the Zavis. But that one little cog, without that, the rest doesn't work. And, and for me, that that's what Puyol is. Um, very much like a, for for Ryan's side, the the Terry of that time, you know, he's just so influential to everything that he does, and I I think that'll be your best pick of the day, regardless. I just I don't know, there's just there's something about Puyol. I think he's one of those players you just can't not like. I think I may have a couple more which you might like, but what is that? I think you know it's a bit early. You know, if I've yeah, four that's players, a... he's yeah. you know, outright declaring, you know, by all the best. Yeah, like that. I make statements in here. Like I know it's been a while, Ryan, but you know this is this is how we do it now. <laughs> you, you make big controversial statements and fall flat on your face later on. Okay, well, yeah, well, let's tell you what. Let's move on to the what do you say, Scott Swindon legend to see if uh, that's going to be a good pairing for Poyal. Um, he was only at the club work only a four four years, um, but wholehearted player. Uh, used to get knocks, used to get like elbowed in the face, like broken nose, like lost teeth. Used to wear a gum shield in, in pretty much all the games he played because remember football in the nineties, oh my god, it was so physical. It wouldn't be allowed today. It just and on the on the pitches they were playing, it was just like a different era. Um, he scored a goal in the playoff final against Leicester in, a, in an epic 4-3 game, which got Swinnon promoted to the Premier League. Um, he's, he's just a, a Swinnon icon. He, he left to go to local rivals Bristol City. His, na- his name's Sean Taylor. Um, like, he was only at the club just a few years, but won the seasons from defence. He scored, like, I think it was 13 league goals in, in one season in nineteen two ninety two ninety three, 92 93 to the season before we got to the playoff final like Swindon were a good team we had Glenn, Glenn Hoddle as um like player manager 
and then he he went to go to Chelsea, and I don't think he's been uh, like it didn't go down down well. Um, I think if Hoddle stayed at Swindon, I think we may have competed a lot better in the Premier League. But Sean Taylor was just like so influential in that Swindon side. He like Colin Caldwell was like been at the club for eight years. And he took the captaincy off, off Calderwood because Calderwood left Swindon to go to, to Spurs. And like, Calderwood was like a Scottish international at the time. And like, he is another Swindon legend in my eyes. But Taylor was just so wholehearted. Like, he would just throw his body on the line. And like, we won the league title in 95, 96 under McMahon. And then he left the following summer to go to Bristol, Bristol City for, only 50k and we paid 200k for him when like from Exeter um was there a particular reason why he left uh, or was it just uh, a a natural sort of you move on scenario it may have been that it was so long ago (laughs) like like 25 years ago it it, I think it still wrangles with some Swindon fans now that he left for so little money but I enjoyed and watched him play. Like I started watching, like I said earlier, in '94. So I saw '94, '95. We got relegated from the now Championship into League One, and then we won League One in '95, '96 with Steve McMahon, like an ex-Liverpool player, as you as you play a coach, player manager, and you're just seeing such wonderful football. Like it was just like surreal. Like you see, I've seen like in those three years, I've seen Swindon play in three different divisions. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just unbelievable. And just like Taylor was so, such a part of that Swindon side. And like in the, in those three years I was watching, and it was just a bit gutting that he left to go to a, a local rival, but wholehearted. Just, it's just, oh, like, he, like, like Piol, he didn't have, the best of skill, but he played with his heart. That's all you can ever ask. Yeah, for, you know, if a player gives gives their all, really. I mean, I'd love to be able to, you know, blag it and say, "Oh, look at all this amazing um, stuff." But that's not, you know, he's not not a massive player, so he, he's a, the amount of information on him is pretty pretty limited. Um, but you know, this is the thing: if players, I've always thought that if players you can see they're trying and they're playing with their passion and their their heart that they're going to resonate with fans so much more than players that don't seem that interested. Mm. Um, and yeah, yeah, it seems, you know, weird on the face of it that he, he left for a local, localist rival, you know, especially for, for the little fee that he did. Um, but so is, is that, as I said, it might have soured it with, for some fans, but it's not soured him for you. Oh no, no. It's like, like bridges bridges have been built like 25 <laughs> years later yeah. he won, like, like he played in the Premier League like scored one of the most important goals to Swindon like that playoff final is one of the best playoff finals probably ever apart from Sunderland Charlton which was probably five years later that epic penalty shootout Four four the Swindon Leicester game like if you two just go down a YouTube wormhole just like Swindon four Leicester three playoff final it's amazing like Swindon go three nil up Leicester pull it back to three three Paul Bowden then scores a, from the penalty spot from one 
a very dodgy penalty <laughs> in in like in the game, but like Taylor scores one of the goals, like and it's like a typical Taylor goal. It's like a close range header bundled in from a couple of yards out where he put his his body on the line and like his head where it hurts, and that's what he was at Swindon. He would like go off in games like with cuts, bruises, like lumps all over his face, like get elbowed like week in week out from Premier League strikers. And it just like he played with so much heart. That's that's what you want, as Ryan mentioned. Um, just having those type of players, you know, who who give that give it all. Something more important and means something to you than the players with talent. But you know, the turn up now and again. You know, like a, a an Adele turn up for QPR. You know, like <laughs> some fans love him, some hate him because he just. Clearly didn't care. Um, like, like Ryan, I'm not going to pretend I even had even heard of him before you brought him up. Um, but again, this I, I know it sounds very cliche, but this is this is why this podcast was created for players like that. Um, and maybe there's another Swindon fan out there listening who <laughs> you know who just rem- remembers about him and then thinks back or times with a dad at football, you know, those type of memories that we can bring back up. Um and I mean that's yeah, that's basically all I can really add on that. Without knowing anything about the player, I think you and Ryan covered it, like the, the chat about it, but my only hope with players like the, the ones that we can't have like full on conversations about is I hope that somebody who knows them is listening and has memories that just the name triggers something and it can go back to a conversation as I say with a dad or a brother or a friend who they went to the football we I mean, were talking back in the 90s you know when when football was that proper day out culture as well mm. um, so yeah that's the biggest thing I can take away from Sean Taylor is genuinely hope that somebody's somebody's triggered by the name and they can take a trip down memory lane as, as you have done when you thought about putting your team together always like my dad took me to football like pre pre-pandemic like, yeah. I still go to football with him then we sit next to each other. We've been going. He's been going since the 60s, following Swindon. Yeah. I've been going since 94. So we sit next to each other. <laughs> like, we've been going week in, week out. He doesn't go to away games. Because he's a bit older. He, he'd done it in the 70s. <laughs> when, yeah. And it, when it was more hectic and more riots, like, for away fans. And I've done it, like, from when I started earning money so when I got my job for the company I work for now like since then so that would be what mid 2007 so I've been following swimming away since then you, you go up and down the country and you make so many friends and like you go down like memory lane as you said and you just think oh yeah do you remember that game do you remember this game do you remember that player and it just all triggers all the stuff in your mind yeah like the, the, my favourite memories of football aren't as much going to the games I didn't get to as many games as you being a Liverpool fan living in Scotland uh, and not driving, it was an expensive weekend. So, which was yeah. four games a season, which is more than some even yeah. Liverpool fans. So, like, I can't complain. But the most important ones are even going down to Liverpool or even being here and just being in the pub after games. You know, as you say, talking the stories, the memories, and then obviously it's it's, it's almost like being on YouTube as we always talk about. Scott, you know, you start on one video, uh, next thing you know, you're five hours down the line. You've got working three hours, and <laughs> you're on five different other subjects. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's that's the best thing about it, and, and it's what 
obviously we're all missing about current football. Hence why, again, I started the loving piece of me back up with my retirement from modern football. Just Football's just not the same anymore. Um, and I might go back, I might not. But for me, I just want to talk about, especially 90s football, which most people will come on or I tend to be about our age. And the 90s was, you know, the eras, 90s, early noughties, for the football that they, they grew up on. Mm. Um, and yeah, no, brilliant. I, so I love the pick. Again, I stand by my Puyol's the, your best pick you're going to pick it in this team tonight. Um, but that's the, the back four and the goalkeeper sorted. So um, who's the one actual central midfielder then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in this 4-2 way. <laughs> <laughs> Attack-minded football. Football, that's supposed to play on the front foot. Um, it's a player who retired uh, May 2019. Actually, I was in Bristol on my way to watch England-Pakistan in a one-day international on a coach from the train station to take me to the ground with my mate. And I looked up and I thought, oh, this player, like the headline was, this player is leaving this club after such and such years. And he's done a press conference. And I, I was gutted because I couldn't fly out to see his last game for the club. And like just a few months later, he joined Boca Juniors and he only stayed at Boca for six months. And he said that was a dream for him, just to play in a different, like, culture of football. And previously he was at this club, like, since we were, he was a youth. His dad is the youth team club, uh, youth team manager at the club, and he's been at the club so long. Um, I've actually got the, the shirt on my chair, and I paid like 120 euros for the shirt, and it's probably... <laughs> It's it's stupid, but <laughs> I think I know who this is. I think it's, I know it's worth going. it. It's it, it's number sixteen. It's Daniele De Rossi, and it's just I I love watching him play. Um, like oh, like going on YouTube, you, you you watch some of the stuff, and like some of the stuff, some of the goals he was scoring from midfield, like when he first started at Roma, that he bleeds Roma. Um, him Totti. Like you've got Lorenzo Pellegrini now who's at the club who's like Roma through and through. They've been through the youth academy. Like Pellegrini's had to go out on loan and like go to another club to apply his trade and then come back. But De Rossi was like the heartbeat of this Roma midfield for 16 years. And like I've been to Rome nine times and I've seen him play six or seven times. And like he was going through a bad trot one of the times and he wasn't like playing well but just to see his aura on the pitch and see his leadership skills it was just phenomenal um i was gutted when he was leaving because it's a part of like like your supported team like a massive player goes like a part of you just like Mm. goes as well um just remember in like 2012 he rejected manchester city like man city offered like like 40 million euros for him and this was for after the euros uh roma just got new ownership this was after when man city won the premier league title on that epic day against qpr and my united would uh were at sunderland and he was going to be part of roberto mancini's back three and he was going to play as like the central defender and he just like he just rejected it and like signed a new deal with um roma and just like it just gives me goosebumps talking about him because he's one of my favourite players. Like I wrote 
like two blogs about him and just like how pissed off I was when he when he when he uh, announced that he was leaving because like um, two years prior I was in Rome for Totti's last game and as I was leaving it was announced that he signed a two year extension I was like yeah brilliant hopefully he'll sign another one year deal and then retire after that in 2019-2020 but now he went went to Boca didn't feature that much I think he got homesick and then he's retired just uh he's back living in rome his his wife is english and i was watching the draw uh for the 2022 qualifiers and he was on it and he speaks perfect english i was just Hmm. so amazed watching it and yeah he's such a wonderful player right so before i bring ryan and the rossi since he predicted who it was going to be there what for anybody listening, what made you become such a Roma fan? Um, I mean, I'm guessing a lot of folk our age probably again watching, you know, the the Channel, Channel Four, shows yeah. um, had either an Italian team or just a foreign team in general. Every seemed to be more common than it is now. I, I, I think it's fair to say, you know, having like a second team abroad. Mm. Um, mine was Real Madrid, which I've mentioned many a times, um, purely for, purely for the kit more than more mm. than anything. But but why Roma for yourself? Um, I think it was probably just the style of football they played and like under Capello. So like I would watch them like they were one of the the biggish teams in Italy, but the the big teams when Channel Four was on was like Juventus, the two Milan clubs, and Parma. Yeah, because that yeah. Parma team like with Crespo, uh, Turam, Veron, and I'm um, Buffon. I am missing names, but they were massive then. And the other Romo were just like just below, but I just like the style of football they played. Like Totti, Totti's one of my heroes. And like when you get to see your heroes play live, you're like a little kid again. Uh, I early two thousands when I started following Roma, it's just like they were just such a, a good team to watch when they got going, and when they got going, it was brilliant. You had Totti, you had Cassano, you had like De Rossi, you had Cafu on one side, you had Vincent Candela on the other, um, Batistuta when he went to Roma from Fiorentina, just brilliant to watch. And then, and then you'd like when they were not on TV because the, the TV coverage over here was like Channel 4 lost it. It went to Eurosport, then it went to Bravo and then BT had it for a while and, it's now on Premier Sports. You find yourself watching games on dodgy streams. Hmm. <laughs> You're just thinking, am I really doing this just for the love of football? Yes, I am. So, yeah. For any future sponsors, we don't condone dodgy streams. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's, Scott's words are none of mine in the post. This, this, this was like 15 years ago when... <laughs> no, absolutely. It was hard to watch games from other leagues on TV. It's a lot. It's a hundred times better now. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Right, Ryan, back to De Rossi then. As I say, because I, I was, just, you know, reading through um, why we were talking about. It. Was it his decision to leave Roma, or was it was it, was it no, all, you know one of those ones where the club didn't want to offer him yeah. a deal, or yeah? How did that as a as a Roma and De Rossi fan, you know, how did that feel that you know actually it was the club potentially that that you know. 
didn't offer him what he wanted or, or whatever the situation was. Safe to say, I, it wasn't pretty. Um, the reaction, like, wasn't the greatest, like, on social media and stuff. Like, you know how fans react on socials. No. Uh, no, no. blown no. out of proportion. Yeah, you know what they're like, but yeah, it's frustrate. Frustration was probably the main part. Like you see him, you thought he could still do a job in that season 2019-20, and he he probably could, and then left on his own terms. I would prefer it if just if he wasn't pushed out and he just left on his own terms, which he which he did from Boca, what six to eight months later, and then retired in. January 2020. We are yeah. a sentimental bunch as fans as well. Yeah, though. we are. Yeah. Sometimes can't see the, the the forest for the trees type thing, um, especially when it comes to to our favourite players. Um, one who I'll just not mention, obviously in the Liverpool, but sometimes <laughs> just utter ridiculous when it comes to to ends of careers and and things like that. But obviously, De Ross is it, like. He's just synonymous. Him and him and Totti for me are just Roma. You know, mm-hmm. probably don't think of any other players the the same way when I think of when I think of Roma. Um, just yeah, I I didn't realise he went to Boca Juniors after it, um, which is good for him, especially if it's something he wants to do. Mm. You know, it's been so long at one club. Um, you know, just fair play for for trying something else, especially at the latter part of your career. Um, you you can't fault him, and it sounds as though like obviously you as a Roma fan didn't have any issues with it as well. Oh no, when he's when he's not there, but you would much rather selfishly see a player even when they retire as such from your club. You'd much rather still see them playing, um, even if it's sometimes not the best for them, uh, if that's fair to say. Mm. Um, you just you just want to see them playing regardless. Oh yeah, probably until they're like forty, and you like <laughs> they wheel him out like for one last testimonial game, and he gets like ten minutes a game the whole season. It's that's not pretty, but if he like leaves on his own terms, that's fine. But when like when you see players forced out of clubs and like due to retire like for retirement issues, it's something's gone on behind the scenes, and it's like don't air it out in public, but like. It's not good, is it? No, but, you know, De Rossi, I think, you know, it, just thinking back to his, his playing career rather than, you know, the, the end of his, of his Roma time, I mean, he was a, he was one of these blokes that you just thought, you know, the reason he did so well is because I always look at him and thought he was a bit scary in a way. You know? <laughs> yes, yes, the tattoos. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to mess with him, you know, and, and I think, you know, as a, as a midfield general, or you know, as a player in the centre of it, you you'd be able to trust him, but you knew he'd do anything to to get ahead in a way. And yeah, um, yeah I think that's he's just the type of player that you just you just think of him. You know, he would he would do the job and he'd do it well, and he he wouldn't let anyone get in his way in doing just, that job. Yeah, just a, a got a couple of stories. Remember, he was sent off in the World Cup 2006 for Elwer and Brian McBride and then came <laughs> back and scored a, a penalty in the penalty shootout in the World Cup final. Um, he was once taken off in a Rome derby because it was too much for him. 
like for him and Totti, they were both taken off in a Rome derby where Roma were losing 1 0 under Claudio Ranieri in 09 10. Roma went to win, went on to win the game 2 1, and they were on the pitch celebrating in front of the fans. And then he, like a couple of years later, he was sent off in a Rome derby after someone uh, pinched his nose and he slapped him. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like, he bleeds Roma. It's like, he, he was so wholehearted. And it's just like, yeah. I, I've just seen, De Rossi was one of the two, was one of two Roma players to be sent off within a minute in the first game after the winter break against league leaders Juventus. Oh, yes. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Is that 2014? It, I, yeah, it looks like, yeah, Jan- yeah, 5th of January 2014. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, a... what, a, what a player, though, regardless of, yeah. of, you know, the red cards and everything, but just, a, he was, you know. He was a midfield general, but he did have a nasty streak in him. Like, he did get sent off for some bad, bad stuff. Like, that, that Juventus game, he got sent off for, for a horrific jumping challenge, like, you, which was, like, the norm 30 years ago, but now it's just like, nah, gone. You're sent off. I mean, but everyone loves a good. Oh know, yeah. Everyone, everyone secretly likes, you know, players with a mean streak. 100%. Yeah. And an 18 year career at Roma. Like that's just phenomenal. Isn't it? It's just, as you right. The best, best bit about him genuinely is his look. He's just, he looks ferocious. Like if you're going into you're going into war, you want De Rossi behind you. Put it that way. Oh yeah, hands down. Absolute beautiful beard though at one stage. Oh Obviously, my god, yeah, that is, <laughs> that is glorious. Um, did, did you see the tattoo he's got on his calf? Oh no, it's brilliant. And when you when you both see it, you'll you'll laugh. Okay, I will not Google it. Whilst we're in, <laughs> yeah, do it after afterwards. So, I mean, it's going to be a bit of a weird search anyway, you know. Yeah, search history, and you're talking you about ourselves. Just to be right, let's not, lost. <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. Um, we had a WhatsApp group chat the other night where we were discussing handsome men. Um, I had to, I had to find Beckham's picture. Oh. <laughs> Which had one? To, had to. He was in your camera. Like, come on. No, the one I picked wasn't. <laughs> oh, that that one wasn't. Yeah. I had, to, I had to go for a. I had to look for his best one, you know, because right. there was an argument here over how handsome the man was. How, uh, many, pa- how many pages did you had to search through Google for that? No, no, I knew what picture I wanted. So okay. I, I I know where Beckham's been and what he's been wearing at the time. <laughs> It took me three minutes to get that to get that picture uploaded onto WhatsApp. Um, my proudest moment in the WhatsApp group. Amazing. Um, I, I absolutely love the pick. Um, just proper midfield general. Um, I can now see why you've afforded two centre attacking midfielders now. Yeah, De Rossi would be fine in this scenario. So yeah, Puyo De Rossi. Um, yeah, not, not much is getting past down there. They're going to have to attack the flanks at the at the most opportune time because the fullbacks are in line with their their own eighteen yard box. Now, should we go for the front the the fun the, stuff in the, yeah. the front five? Yeah. Let's, let's <laughs> take one the of the two tens. Let's the two of Um. Oh God, he was such a genius to watch. Like, um, 
it was heartbreaking to see that his penalty that he took in the Champions League semi-final against Arsenal, he missed it because he took that Villarreal side to, to like fourth in La Liga and to the Champions League semi-final. And he was such a wonderful player to watch. Like when he was at Boca, sadly he didn't get much game time with Louis van Gaal at Barcelona, but I can see why Barcelona signed him. Then he went to Villarreal and just like worked wonders with them. And then he won so many trophies with, uh, with Boca juniors. And like there's YouTube compilations of this guy just like, doing skills, scoring wonderful goals, and he's just like the artist of pure artists for a number 10. And it's, it's one Roman Raquel, mate, and it's like, if any of you guys like watched him when he was just in full force, it was just something to watch. Uh, just from, like Villarreal, who were like years, like a couple of years beforehand, were in the Segunda and like, in 2006, they're in the Champions League semi-final against Arsenal, and we're just one kick away from the final against Barcelona. <laughs> it's just, it's just phenomenal. It's like, and just to think, in the World Cup 2006, he was the hub of that Argentina side, like, and then you had Messi must have been 19 then. And he was just like passing the torch on to him. And just, it was just wow. And then you go to the stuff he, he won with Boca, like he won like league titles. He won the South American Champions League, the Copa Libertadores. And you just watch this guy play and it's, oh, no words can describe it. Yeah, like Ryan, um, do you remember much of Raquel me? Um, Try to think of your age for like for watching. Because <laughs> um, this you was know, peak watching Spanish football. Mm. I, yeah, so I think I, I probably we the only think of him probably from the Boca Juniors, Boca Juniors time in terms of yeah. You know, I, I seem to remember I seem to remember him popping up for Barca, but obviously yeah, he didn't didn't last incredibly long there or, or played a lot of games for Barca. Um, but he's an instantly recognisable player um, for talent and for skill. Um, and as you said, Scott, you know, in terms of what he when he was in full form, what he could do, um, he'd, he'd always be that player that I guess if you if you had to think about, I need I need a player in a fantasy team for whatever reason to do something special with the ball. Raquel May would 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 be a player that you'd pick. Um, for that scenario, so not a lot of watching him, but you know, just having a quick scroll through already, you know, instantly recognisable, and you look at everything that he achieved, and yeah, you, you know, you start to bring back those memories of the times that, for the Villarreal, and and then when he did go to Boca, you know, you can picture it all properly. I think that says a lot about mm. how good of a player he was. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I think a player that always reminds me of him from from modern time was was Arshavin. Um Very very similar ilk for me, um, but like yeah, you summed it up perfect, Scott. With a, he he almost carried that Argentina team back then. Mm. Um, 
the Villarreal period um, was phenomenal. Obviously, the was it a loan spell originally? Yeah, uh, loan spell and then permanent. Yeah, just the. I mean, just looking at his goals to game ratio, there twenty seven goals in forty games in two those two seasons. Um, for you know, for what ultimately was a a creative playmaker as well, mm. which kind of just summed up everything about him. The you know, the, even at um, international level, he's getting a goal every three games. Um, and as we know, Argentina have never really been the strongest in, in our in our lifetime. Um, yeah, I think probably ever since World Cup ninety. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so look, he's just he's a player as well. I don't know if you feel the same, Scott. He's he's not talked about enough. No, maybe you know, probably. Players, you know, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Ali. No, I let you go. No, just when you think of all the players, even in that era, um, it's like because he was at Villarreal, almost mm. he wasn't. It's like he wasn't respected enough. And then obviously he went back to Brazil. Um, not Brazil, sorry. Where did Boca from? Argentina. Argentina. Um, you know, quite early. You know, he still had another seven years there. Um, so, I mean, that definitely probably affected a lot of people. Like we know the snobbery, especially of, of British people, of, of British football mainly. But if you're not in the Champions League, it's almost like you don't count. Yeah. Um, so maybe that probably didn't help. Um, but it's good to see, obviously, people like yourself of, of not older because not exactly we're like we're old, but who just watched those those eras of of La Liga where Villarreal made the run, and and you mentioned teams like Parma earlier as well, who mm. most people who watch football in the last what fifteen year almost, yeah, longer. I, I, it feels weird because we're in like twenty twenty one. I keep forgetting, <laughs> but like Parma are almost like a no team now, you know, like. Parma, if you, if you were to turn around and say that you you know you were a Parma fan, like even like your whole life, you would be mocked these days because nobody has a clue like they're what well, they, they are now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what were you going to say before I I interrupted you? Um, I actually forgot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh well. well, oh, well. You, 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 you were saying I'm, that Raquel May. Doesn't get talked about now. Yeah, and then you potentially. I think you might have maybe. You know, I think in an Argentine, like from Argentina side of. Oh yeah, that's all. Yeah, it probably in an Argentine. If you're an Argentina fan and you like in that era of like mid two thousands to probably just the early naughty uh, to early two thousand tens, you will probably just like you will remember like Raquel May, Mascarano, Varane. Like Saviola, um, what yeah, Saviola, Ayala, <laughs> like those type of players, and you that that's like that's your backbone of that Argentina squad, and it's just like, yeah, it's like that '06 World Cup team. I know they lost to Germany on on pens, but yeah, like this, uh, the like some of the goals that they scored in that World Cup, he was a part of, like. Do you remember the goal? I think was it was it against Serbia that team goal where it's like thirty passes. Yeah, yeah. It was a Cambiaso who scored, and it's just like everything will just flow through him, and it's just like a mercurial genius. No, absolutely love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad he got the recognition he deserves. So, who's teaming up with him? Is the creative spark? 
Um, we mentioned him in my Daniele De Rossi pick, and you, you, you two will probably know who it is. That I was in the stadium when he retired for his final game, and I was hoping he would come on and score the winner, like a fairy tale penalty in like the last minute. But um, yeah, it was just such an emotional day, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I cried. So did my mate, who I when there was no pandemic and when he was in lived in Italy, we would meet up and when I flew out to Rome and like have a, and watch the game and games together. And it's just like that day is just like, we'll go down in Roma folklore because they won the game three, two. Um, it was most Salah's last game for Rome before he joined Liverpool as well. And it was also Chesney's last game because he joined Juventus not long after and yeah it was such an emotional day everyone was wearing number 10 shirts when i was walking through just walking to the ground and he is like roma and there was a a really good sky documentary about him three four months ago and it's just two hours just absolutely flew by and like it's such an amazing watch but there is some it's like some hard parts to watch because the way it ended it didn't end well like he was sort of forced out of the club and he's no longer with the club now because he he resigned from his like his like vip role just like a year or two ago and it 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 wasn't acrimonious um it's francesco totti but what a player He, he was my only regret was that I didn't get to see him when he was in his peak. I got to see him when he was 36, 37, and then when he retired, but still then. Even then, what a player. <laughs> what a player. Like, one of my first games was against Juventus. Juventus already won the league. It was the final day of the 2013-14 season. He played. He ran the show. He must have been 37, 36, 37. That UA team had, like, Chiellini, Paul Popper, Pirlo was playing, uh, Buffon was playing, and he just ran the show from like up front. He was playing as a false number nine. <laughs> and he's just like, whoa. And like I said, my only regret was not seeing him when he was like 25 to 30, where he was just in his peak form for Roma. Like he said, like winning a league title with Roma is like winning. 10 titles for Juventus and they won like 01 with Ken he was playing as a number 10 behind Batistuta and Montella and Cassano and he was just feeding them goals and he was scoring wonderful goals himself and just it's, oh, I can't say any more to be honest <laughs> What what would you say in, in terms of because it looks like he played a few different roles yeah. uh, within the team? Which position do you think was his best his best one? Oh god, because he scored quite a lot of goals when he like post thirty when he was playing as a false number nine. I would probably say that position because he brought in a lot of players behind him. Like he would come deep, bring pick up the ball. And you'll feed it to the, the two wingers, and then you have your number ten, who's, who was at the time was Simone Perotta, and he was the runner, like he was like your runner from deep, 
like like the third midfielder, like run from deep, like the box to box, and he would score so many crucial goals for him for uh, for Roma then. But yeah, him as a number ten, oh, like you would watch Channel Four, he would just pick up the ball, one touch, back heel, and it would just feed it to the, the central midfielder who pass it onto the winger, who pass it onto either Cassano or Montana or Batistuta and then you think chance and they just like oh my god there's like compilations of on YouTube of his his best flicks his best back heels his best assists his best goals and like you can spend like two or three hours on that just watching those like four <laughs> or five videos but yeah so uh, Ryan probably is the fourth number nine and then as a number ten yeah, no, that sounds good. I mean, you just look at his, his stats and, you know, the thing we talked about, a couple of one-man clubs here, and obviously he's the very definition of of a one-man club in this mm. scenario. Uh, I mean, forgetting the, the odd, you know, youth appearances, obviously, which could, in theory here, look, you know, like he was very, very young at that point. But, you know, captain the side and, and you know, just surely was everything to Roma over the years. And it, it sounds so, it sounds a bit like De Rossi in a way, you know, what, well, yeah, didn't end particularly well. Um, yes. Either from the playing career or, or I guess, did, did, did his playing career end okay? Cause obviously when he resigned from the director part or, or whatever he was doing, that definitely doesn't sound. Yeah. Good. That didn't go down well. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was a bad, that was like a bad divorce. Um, like the year before, it looked like he was going to get bombed out, but then Spalletti kept playing him, like coming on for Jacko. Because this, that, remember Jacko, that was Jacko's first season and he was, he, he didn't play well. I was going to say he was atrocious, but he <laughs> did not perform well. And like Roman would play a striker's formation, like, and sometimes play Mo Salah or Diego Perotti as the, the force number nine. But then Totti would come on in games and like change games, like in, in that 2015-16 season, he came on against Torino with like two minutes left, with two one down. Got a goal with basically his first touch, and then like four minutes later, got a penalty. Uh, Roma won a penalty, and he slotted the penalty in the bottom corner, and they won three two. And the, he went on like a scoring run of like scoring in a few more games. That got him a year deal, and then it he wasn't involved in as many games. And then it was like very acrimonious with the coach who literally 10 years beforehand came up with a system where he would be the the focal point. And he had a falling out with with the coach, Luciano Spalletti. And then Monchi was in charge. I think it may have been his first couple of months. And he said, basically, your career's ending. And then we had Totti Day, <laughs> and then um, then he was on like the back room, the higher up staff. Sorry, and then he was suggesting players to like the guys. Like he suggested Hakim Ziyech, and then they went and bought Javier Pastore, and then as you said, Ryan, it did not end well. Wow. <laughs> it was a messy divorce. I always find things like that really weird because, you know, the, the fans surely are going to back Totti in this scenario yeah. rather than the the higher-ups who are hiding behind closed doors in the club. Yeah, 100%. But sometimes we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, do we? 
which is a shame because he he could be a coach, he could be a manager. He, like, you never know. Like a couple of years down the line, he could have been a Roman manager or been on the coaching staff, and it just ended so badly. Ali, what are your yeah, what are your memories of, of Totti? You just uh, yeah, just uh, Scott mentioned like Mister Roma. Um, I mean, one one question, Scott, just just quickly as quick mm-hmm. as you can give. Why why did he not score as many goals for Italy? I mean, only nine goals in, in yeah. Six or I mean, what what was it there? Because I, I, there's not really a, there's not really an Italian player I can think who's just like. Mr. Goals, if you know what I mean, there's nothing, no one that springs to mind. It was either it was either him or Del Piero. Yeah, it was either them because them two were like probably vying for the same position in the Italian national team role. Right. And I'm maybe like Totti could have. You felt like his his national team career flattered to deceive with those numbers. Yeah, it, it really is quite disappointing for the level of player, and especially, yeah. obviously, being Italian, playing in an Italian league. You know, he almost should have been like that hero as such for the international level as well, and especially in a, in a league, which is it's one thing I, I'll never get my head around. It doesn't matter who explains it to me. Is the amount of players who are quite happy to play for two, three, four teams in the same league, whereas yeah. you're never going to get that in England. Like, you no, know, there's very rare you'll get a player who'll play for two. Um, so there's none of that. There's almost none of that rivalry hatred that's been quite well written about and documented about the, you know, the English team um, during that time. So it's quite strange that a player like Totti and almost all Italian teams kind of played the same way at the time. You know, same same systems, same setups, especially the 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 top the top teams, especially. Um, he just felt like a player like Totti. He almost would have built the the team around. But as you say, Del Piero was there as well. Yeah. Um, but like Totti's a player. I wrote Totti down as soon as you said you're two <laughs> attacking midfielders. Um, I had Totti and Raquel me written down. Oh, um, nice. Was, you know, you, you know me too well. You know me too well. Uh, right. The the the, the three that matters the most. The three who bring in the most money. Uh, right winger first then, Scott. I, okay. Um, he sort of played this role for Inter under Mourinho but mainly he's a central striker had an absolute wonderful career in Spain uh, in Italy and came to England latter, in, latterly in his career after a big move to Russia for all the money in the world <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you two probably know who it is um, but he used to score goals for fun especially in Spain like for Real Mallorca like Real Madrid got rid of him no idea why and then Barcelona snapped him up for like peanuts at the time and he was part of that front three who were just unbelievable to watch then he went to Inter and then tore up in Italy and then I don't think Ryan you probably got the best of him when in the latter part Hmm. of his career if you if you know who I think I think I've got an inkling on it didn't Barcelona get rid of him for Ibrahimovic as well yeah, plus about 80 million euros. Like, it's ridic- one of the ridiculous transfers. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, it's Samuel Eto'o, but like. What a guy. What a player. And would you say he, like, 
took may have took African football to another level with his performances for like Barcelona like players from from Africa onto another level like you see yeah, more, more of those players now yeah but just my god when he got like some of the goals he scored for Barcelona and Inter Milan you just think whoa you do not want to be playing up against him as a central defender because he, he quick just very adaptive and just oh, just unbelievable when he's on his day he, yeah me, just whoa he his pace was was yeah. definitely something and and even you know even when he came to us as the old man as uh i think it was in Mourinho that said and you know he did the the old man celebration yeah. um <laughs> You know, his pace even then was still something. He still had a fair bit of pace in his leg. And he scored some really good goals for us, actually. Um, but yeah, some of the goals he scored, um, for Barca and Inter, um, was just, was just something else. And it's interesting, obviously, yeah, because you put him at the, the right wing position, he was still quite flexible and versatile in that sense, where mainly a centre striker, mm. but he could damage you, uh, easily just as much from the, the wing as well playing was almost the inside forward. Yeah, because he could like no one could track him because you don't know where he's playing. Is he playing deep wide right? Is he playing like as you said as in as the inside forward where like if you if like your fullback's your marker, you can just probably just drift off him and then just capitalize on the chance at the back post. Like for some like Mourinho changed his tactics halfway through a season and then stuck him out wide right. And he was, and he was still so effective in that inter team. Like you had Schneider, like Pandev, and like Diego Melito was like the top striker. He scored so many goals as well in that season. But then Eto just did the disciplined job on the right hand side. And then as Ryan as Ryan said, he still scored goals from that position. Just unbelievable player and. It still beggars belief in like why Barcelona swapped him for Slatan. Maybe it's just probably for disciplinary issues or like Pep didn't just wanted him out. But what was Barca's loss was like Inter's game. Yeah, I seem to remember reading or watching something about that whole scenario where he didn't really seem to, either he didn't seem to agree with the direction that the team was going in or something and. Mm. And that's why they made the decision to to move him on. And obviously, people wanted anything of Latan at that point. In all oh ways. yeah, I'm not overly surprised. But yeah, I mean, but phew, terrific player. Um, I enjoyed it when he was with us for a little bit. So yeah. What about you, Ali? Did you, you know? Yeah, look, I'm on par with even when we spoke to Emma Ryan as well. Um, the the deal was I was delighted he left Barcelona to go to Inter, but. The deal made absolutely no sense for anybody but, you know, to get that amount of money, to get that level of player. Um, and that's taken nothing away from Ibrahimovic. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Like, take away the, the myth that surrounds Ibrahimovic, you know, the, the, the legend. Like, he's a world class talent who's performed for, for years now. Um, at such a high standard. But Eto on his day back then was, was almost on another level. Um, the pace, the strength, the finishing. Um, as you mentioned, uh, Scott, 
he probably did bring African football onto another mm. level. And it's where, you know, players like Drogba and that, uh, as such, were then almost taken more seriously because people realised what talent was, was over there and, you know, clubs, like especially European clubs, started taking hits. And obviously the Premier League still had a, a little bit of snobbery. You almost needed them to make a mark somewhere in Europe first before before we really, like, seen them explode into the Premier League, Ryan. But, mm. um, I mean, you, you, you're almost torn. I, I do feel Inter got the best Eto in general, but it's hard to ignore that that front three that Barcelona had. You know, I think that's mm. the record. It's either the record or Real Madrid maybe beat it a few seasons later. Um but the, the goals that those three scored. Yeah. Um, I think we spoke before, Ryan, about... Like, I almost forget that he came to Chelsea. Um, yeah. At the end. It was because it was almost in a period where Chelsea were signing, like, loads of strikers. And it, it was like n- nobody... It was always the same mould for, for whoever we were bringing in at the point. It was... Cause, yeah, because Eto, I guess, at that point, had, had gone, as you said, Scott, had gone to Russia. Um and then going to Chelsea rather than it being anything else. But um, you could tell that it was quality. Uh, and, but, yeah, we, we definitely had a mould of the type of strikers we were going for at the time. You know, him, Falcao and people like that. Were, they're, they're, not, they're not at the peak of their career. We're not buying them because they're at the peak of their career. We're buying them because they're available more than anything else. And That's they can a do a job. Question. And they can do a job, yeah. Yeah. Definitely a great choice. Someone who, again, who's not probably picked enough. Um, and again, it's hard because of the era when we're talking forwards in that era. Um, but for me, he's, de- he's got to be definitely up there in a, a top 10, even best list. I think it's because, I think, as, as, whether it's right or wrong, I think players lose somewhat of a, of a potential credibility Going with Russia. fans when they do, when they go to, you know, you, you go to Russia, you go to, these different leagues. I think the MLS, I think, is probably still within that bracket as well, in a way, where, you know, you're going for the payday oh, rather don't, than... Don't have to part around it, Ryan. It's 100%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, yeah, yeah, there's definitely been players that have succeeded there, but I think that's probably why Eto doesn't get talked about enough, because, <laughs> you know, he went to Russia, um, and, you know, the realistic reason would have been because of the pay, rather than being able to, 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 to still play at a top European club, despite him getting the opportunity to, you know, after the fact anyway. Yeah, if, if anything, he's actually, it's probably the most intelligent decision he made. You know, if you can go over and play in Russia for much more than you're going to earn anywhere in Europe, for playing at a definitely, definitely a lower standard, and he's like, why would you not do it? It'd be the same in any career. It would just be stupid. As long as you feel if you want to then achieve something in football, and you can come back and perform still, to a good standard, it makes absolute sense to do it. Um, but no, I, again, I love the pick. Again, I, I want it all be picked more because I believe he needs spoken about more. Um, left wing, Scott? Probably one of the best strikers of the Premier League era. I would say early 2000s to when he, he left in 07. Um, I think me and you, Ali, have had discussions about this player and just like, wow just what the manager at the time of the club got out of him um, it's Thierry Henry and it's just on his on his day during his peak like I would probably say his peak was 02 to 06 yeah 
my word, that and he played for Wenger, who got the most out of him in that invincible side for Arsenal, and then and then he went to Barca, and then he went to the MLS and came back to Arsenal. Um, he did well at Barca, and like he won trophies, but Arsenal when he was at Arsenal it was just unplayable and like. When you watch Premier League years, as you do sometimes on Sky, <laughs> you got like two hours to kill, and then you just see the goals he scored, like the goals against the goals against Spurs in the North London derby, where he just absolutely tore Jamie Redknapp to shreds. One against Liverpool, sorry, Ali, where he tore Carragher, oh, yeah. yeah, in '04, like the the flick over against. Man United over Bartes. Yeah, the flick and volley. The, the, one of it, one of his, um, one of the first goals against Southampton. The goal against West Ham, where he just top corner from about 30 yards out, like drifting from the left. Like, you sort of think he, that Arsenal attack, you had like, Viltord, Perez, Lundberg, and then Omri, and then Bergkamp. And like, Bergkamp was like, the number 10 and Omri wasn't really the central striker. He would always drift to the left and then that would bring in Perez, Lundberg, like Vieira, Parla, Edu, like Gilberto Silva in from midfield. And he would just create this, these gaps for these players to just run in and like, like score and just like create so many chances. Like just, he was such a joy to watch. Yeah. And I and I don't think you've probably seen a striker like him now. Yeah, no. yeah, that's fair. Yeah, he is the epitome of enjoying football. You know, having yeah. Rodrigo for me just like, especially for players who didn't play for my club, like it, it's hard. I think um, anybody who listened to the Laurel podcast, um, she summed up well when I asked her why she didn't pick many Celtic players, and it's almost hard to to enjoy watching your own players, mm. because you're so emotionally invested, you can't enjoy them as much, mm. um, if that makes any sense. Um, but when she said it, it totally does to me, and, and it's why you probably find more joy in opposition players, um, Henri being one, Aguero for me being one, but um, Henri was just, he was masterful, you know, that he almost created that role as a striker of drifting off the left wing. Um the sports goal is the one you're talking about. Is that the one where he, he like almost bust through from the halfway line? Yeah. Yeah, just outstanding. Just the strength, the speed, the elegance, the skill. But you know what I love more about all of that? He had such a nasty, ruthless side about him. And it, it wasn't glaringly obvious. But the more you watch, he was so snide. Um, and he was just, he was such a winner. Whereas you look at Arsenal, especially probably since the on days, they're just so soft. You know, they've mm. had some great players on wonderful teams and been lovely to watch, but they're just so soft-centred. And Henri would never have allowed that. You know, you, you think of Vieira, you think of Adams, you think of Campbell, um, even Ashley Cole, you know, being like such you know dirty players. But Henri was like, he led from the front for all of that. You know, he would leave an elbow and he would, he would get stuck into challenges. He, he Yes, he dived, like... All, all players do. Anybody says that their players don't dive is um, is a liar. So it's, <laughs> it's who cares? But he genuinely would tackle if if he got 
he got a bad tackle on him and no fouls. He'd be straight back up. You know, there was there wasn't really rolling about as such. Um, not not great fan of the punditry work. Um, he did give me the great moment when Brendan Rodgers was sacked. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah, <laughs> um, but he's arguably the best foreign import for consistency level and duration. Um, the Premier League scene. Um, if anybody says that he was the greatest, you know, it's, it's almost hard to argue with it. Um, but bar sports fans, um, and even then, I think they're probably lying to themselves. I think everybody just enjoyed watching him play. Um, I loved watching that Arsenal. Not when they played Liverpool, obviously, but mm. they were the team that you always, if they were on Sky, you sat down for 90 minutes and watched the game. Is that fair to say for yourself, Ryan, especially being like a London derby? Uh, yeah, listen, he was a fantastic player. Um, at 100%. And there's always one horrible moment that I'll remember about Henri where I think, I think the game might have finished 2-2. Two, two. It was Chelsea 2, Arsenal 1 at the time, I think. And, uh, Henri won a free kick and he just took it really quickly and just smashed it, took one a cut, check out. Um, and I was fuming. I was absolutely raging the fact that he managed to score this quick free kick. But it's interesting because you say about the punditry side, but I actually thought there were definitely times where he, he's such a clever footballing guy. He might not be a very good manager or anything like that, but I remember watching a piece and he, he analysed a goal that Morata had scored for Chelsea yes. yeah. where he, it was so painstakingly detailed in terms of how Morata's foot was hitting the ground in terms of how he was twisting his body in, in very much every freeze frame saying that this is how you'd score the goal because you'd open your body up. And this is it. This is why he was so good because he, he wasn't just a, a very, he wasn't a one dimensional striker. He could Definitely score not. from absolutely yeah. anywhere with any type of goal. You know, he could, he could score the tap ins. He could score the extravagant goals. He could work it. You know, one twos or anything like that. He, he offered everything that you'd want in a modern day striker because he'd do everything. You know, he was the complete forward in that sense. Um, but from a striking knowledge, he knows how to score goals and he knows how to watch players and understand why they are or why they aren't scoring goals. And that is such a, a big thing. And I guess that's a big thing to explain how good he was at scoring goals. Do you remember when he um, passed the ball off the corner flag through the defender's legs? I can't remember that. What's that? Danny Mills? Was it Danny Mills? I can't remember. It was definitely a bold centre-half. <laughs> came out to the side and he played it off the corner flag through the defender's legs. I don't think he got past him. I think he got fouled. Um, but it definitely went through the defender's legs. and just I'm sure he got pulled back as he got round him. But it just... Again, it just sums up the, like, the you know, very, very imaginative, especially of, like, if players playing in the Premier League at that era, you know, we, we, we had our, you know, our natural number nines. He was probably that first wide forward as such. Definitely. Yeah. He, he took it on to another level. Well, Scott, you've got Eto, who's arguably a, a world-class number nine. Henri, who could comfortably play as a world-class number nine, and you've got them wide, 
this number nine better be special. Um, you have set yourself mm-hmm. up here. If it wasn't for the knee injuries, oh. he, yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, it's written down. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's written down. And the, the palpitations or this, actually I was listening to a podcast over the weekend with Tim Vickery and he said he may have slept walk the day of the final and that's what caused him to have a bit of a panic in a, a moment. Um, it's, it's, it's Ronaldo. It's a phenomeno. And he's, oh my God. If it wasn't for the knee injuries, he would have been, oh, he, he still was an unbelievable striker. Like for Inter, for PSV, for Barca, for Real Madrid, even the spells he had at AC Milan and back in Brazil for Corinthians, just like, Wow. And like, there's clips, the side clip was of him redoing his knee after he spent so long out with the same, with the same knee injuries. It's heartbreaking. He'd done it in a, in a Coppa Italia final and he went to do like step overs to go around the keeper and the, his knee just buckled again. And he lost like 18 months of his career into and then he won the World Cup with Brazil and was like with that stupid haircut the oh, triangle haircut stupid haircut <laughs> which was a prank I just like oh, I was torn between the striker I could either went Ronaldo or Batistuta because Ali would probably had that written down as well hmm. with, with that for those two but like me growing up watching Italian football on Channel 4 and seeing Ronaldo for Inter and then you would see him for Bobby Robson's Barca and then go to Real Madrid. Just, he was a different level back then. And it was just like quick movement, power. Um, cause he was skinny. That would cause him a lot of problems with his knees and that was the, his downfall and it cost him two, three years of his career, basically, with those knee injuries. But, my God, unbelievable player. I mean, he, he he was the number one pick, wasn't he? In terms of, you know, if around that, that time, fantasy football, playing Pro Evo, playing FIFA, whatever, right? You think, right, I want a striker. You'd always, always go for Ronaldo. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to resist because of how good he was. And, you know, it does make you think, you know, the, the knee injuries and what we could have got. I mean, obviously what we already got was incredible, mm. but what we could have got if he was fit 100% of the time or, you know, as close to it as possible. Um, scored goals for fun, you know, just. And, and players of that ilk and, and of the Brazil team of that time, you know, just incredible, incredible players. And he was himself incredible. You know, and then there's, there's a lot sort of said about him these days or whatever, but, you know, he's the original. He is R9. Um, just something else. And he's such a, a weird player in that sense because, because of that almost stilted, 
you know, a stunted career in that sense in terms of the injuries. Um, but so iconic. Everything about it was, was super iconic. Yeah, the haircut, uh, the Arnine boots, and like I think all my friends, anybody I played football with, um, back then had, had those boots, um, had the Brazil top just because he wore it. Um, probably the Real Madrid top as well. The white Yeah, well, it was a player I never never appreciated at all when I was younger because everybody loved them. So I I just hated them almost. Um, (laughs) So I just, didn't truly appreciate them. I mean, even like France '98 was probably the the one true competition that I probably paid attention to and loved. Um, and I was a France fan for it all. I loved that France team. Um, so again, Ronaldo was the like the, the antichrist to me. Um, but a player who obviously once I become more cultured in football, shall we say, um, that I truly appreciated more. Um, a player, obviously, again we didn't get to see the best um, and it's phenomenal what we did get which is scary really and Messi and Ronaldo today's world have to be grateful that he got those injuries because you know the I, I just genuinely like Messi might have had the goals but again I think that's because of the era he's playing in you put Ronaldo in this era even with the the, the, the physios and the sports therapists and all that sort of nonsense that are that are about today and those guys pale in comparison to to what Ronaldo would have done, um, or what we assume Ronaldo would have done. Obviously, we can't be certain, but what we've seen him do in, in those early nineties, that that Barcelona one season, um, maybe the greatest individual season that you'll ever see, um, just from it. And again, it goes back to what me and Dave were talking about about the. Um, that Brazil era. Um, again, there's a chance that, you know, our grandkids down the line will be talking in 20, 25 years, talking about, forget, not even knowing who Ronaldo is and, and maybe talking about the Neymars of the world or um, another Brazilian striker who might come through in the next five years or so, the same way as we talk about Ronaldo's and all that. But um, I think he might be the most picked player um, in this. And can you argue against it? Absolutely not. He's maybe the greatest striker of all time. And that's where horrific knee injuries and mad moments. I mean, that that Madrid-Man United game, which is the biggest one. Oh, the hat trick. Yeah. Um, all around. Um you know, one of the few players to play for Real Madrid and, and Barcelona. Um, Real Madrid probably didn't get the best of them, but he was still phenomenal for them. And, and from everybody, like the McManamans of the world and Owens, who you know who went over there, and even Woodgate, said Ronaldo was just an absolute gent as well. You know, so he was actually a, a decent guy off the pitch, um, according to those guys, which is obviously we've got to take word on anybody who says it sort of thing, but I, yeah, no, I think I wrote it down as soon as you mentioned Denise, <laughs> Scott. I think that kind of, that kind of summed it up almost, but yeah, no, I, I, there's, there's really not much we can add on, on him. Um, who did you pick as a captain, Scott? Uh, that would be Carlos Poyo. 
natural born natural born leader. Interesting. Yeah, you've got so many good players there that you could easily. Oh god, yeah, they all could be captain. To be no, honest, you've got so many players that could easily play captain, and a lot of them did for their clubs. Actually. Yeah. So. I'm just yeah. going to put out there though that my point of Puyol being your best pick um, stands. Um, my humble opinion. Fair enough. So I, I, I call that right. I think the I like the Eto pick. That was that was more surprising. Henri, yeah, not Totti. Totti and De Rossi were fairly obvious. I'm sure you had Raquel me. I did. Last yes. Time, but, so again, we can't, we can't, I can't give you that as a great pick. Sean Taylor, yeah, but we couldn't say much about it. Sonetti and Cafu, again, I think fairly obvious for you, Italian football. And mm. uh, Roma, um, Puyol for me again. Yeah, spot on. I'm going to run through your team. We have Fraser Digby in goal, Cafu and Zanetti as your right and left backs, Puyol and Sean Taylor, centre backs. We have Daniel De Rossi as your only centre midfielder. And then we have a front five consisting of Kelme and Totti, um, and behind Eto, Henri and Ronaldo. That is a formidable five. Um, that might be 200 goals a season amongst those five, especially against today's defenders. That'd be 7-6 um, every week, wouldn't it? <laughs> absolutely. Any players that just missed out, either from your, your previous team or just in general, even players who have retired since that you might have considered? Yeah, there's a couple. So, Xavi, um, that was a tough choice. Like, Andrea Pirlo, like, watching him live, like, a few years ago. Wow. I think it was his second to last season at Juventus before he went to MLS and he just wonderful player Batistuta always yeah I'm surprised he didn't make the cut yeah it was either Ronaldo or or Batistuta as a central (laughs) striking choice and a half it's it's a half Um, yeah those are probably the main ones there was another Swindon player a player called Kevin Horlock who uh, like when I was watching Swindon, was a, a favourite of mine. Scored lots and lots of goals for Swindon, playing on the left side of midfield or centre mid. And then he got a, a a brilliant move to Man City and was part of that Man City squad who like got was in League One and then got promoted and then promoted again. And um, yeah, so those were the players that sort of missed out. But it's bloody else a f- formidable team playing like gung ho attacking attacking football. No, I absolutely love it. Um, and again, thank you very much for coming on and sharing it. Uh, slightly different to your to your last team, which yeah. made obviously better for myself. Who did it? Was it Gav that did it? Uh, yeah, Gav yes. and Dave, Irish Dave. Oh, so I didn't even do it the last time. No, you. <laughs> I think it was before, may have been before your wedding. No, twenty seventeen. We, we, yeah. we forget about that era. Yeah, that, that, era is, that era is. That era is. I got married in 2018. Champions League final, 2018. Oh, okay, so it might have been you might have been doing some other stuff. Yeah, I don't know what would have happened. I'm maybe just sick of Gav. Maybe Gav. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> it, he was hard going, but yeah. Thanks very much for joining us. Anyway, Scott, have you let let everybody know where they can find you online and anything that you've got? You got any blogs on that out at the moment? Yeah, so uh, follow me at Scott underscore Monroe, Scott with one T, and Monroe's M-U-N-R-O-E. Strong Scottish surname. It's in the blood. Um, 
dad's a Glaswegian, so yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I do some writing about Swindon and Roma for, um, Swindon for a mate of mine who runs the Trust SDFC website. And like, I do match previews for Swindon and Roma. I got, I'm doing a football manager blog about my IAC save at the moment. So I'm just trying to get some, some free time to sort that out. I'm in season three. It, like football manager 21. It's a, it's very addictive when you get into the game. Um, it's difficult to get into, but once you're into you it, know, it, it's you can rack up the hours a yeah. lot. You can go like six or seven hours, and you're thinking, "Bloody hell, <laughs> I've gone through half a season already." <laughs> I've racked up nearly a hundred hours, but when I get on it, you can just like your day's gone. So yeah, and I decided to do a football manager blog like. I wanted to do one last year, but just didn't have the time. But as we're in lockdown and like most, the majority of us is working from home, I thought, why not? And just like do that. Um, I do the Roma blogs as, uh, the match previews for a website is called AS Roma 360. Um, like swing stuff. Like when I get time, writing helps. Like just after, like maybe if you're feeling a bit down. It's quite good to get your thoughts out to do some writing. So that's one of the main things I've been doing like in the last couple of months. Yeah, well, you, you know we'll share everything that goes up on your Twitter and that as well. So everybody Perfect. check that out. Uh, Ryan, for yourself, um, introduce yourself back to your fan base. My, my fan base, or the, <laughs> the, the dwindling fan base. Um, my Twitter is at the Ryan Goodman, so you can come and tweet at me about how bad Chelsea are or something like that. <laughs> no one would do that to you. I'm sure they wouldn't. <laughs> and you can find us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms. Um, if you're on Apple, give us a five star rating and review, even if you think we're crap. Um, but just make sure you're you're nice to us and get us out there so more people can listen to us. Um, if you're interested in coming on, um, give us a give us a tweet, um, give us a message, anything you want. We're looking for more and more guests. Uh, I want to keep this weekly as possible and. And between Ryan and Dave, um, and obviously many others, we'll always have people here to to host and co-host, and we'll keep this going weekly from now on. Um, the Thursday guys will have actually scrap that. The me, Dave, and Simon. Will say, have, don't forget that you're about to do something. Else. Yeah, we're about to record the weekend games and talk about the games. Um, that have just finished now. The Everton game will just be finished whenever this comes out, though. Uh, the first day, guys, will be back on the Friday morning. You'll get the recording. I believe there's a football manager pod coming soon. There was a Chapman one out last week, so there's loads and loads of content coming, um, and this will continue, especially with the Euros coming up. We have much more content planned. Um, so, yeah, look, just give us a follow, give us a like, give us reviews. Um, any feedback is much appreciated. Thank you to you guys for joining me as always. Thank you very much. Pleasure. And always remember to keep your man in the pool.